I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Gronich. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, comment below so that we can start conversations that matter and help you create a new tomorrow today. I've got with me today, Richard Flint. He is a uh, 30 plus year veteran of uh, the lecturing circuits. He is the author of over 19 books and uh, has great ability to adapt, adjust, align in these changing times. He just opened up a learning center this last week. So Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to be who you are, and uh, why, are, why are these people listening to you? All right. We live in, we live in interesting times right now where uh, people are being challenged at a level that they've never been challenged before. And uh, if you had asked me 30 plus years ago what I would be doing with my life today, I'd probably have told you that I would be teaching at some university. Uh, And with my education, I did my undergraduate work in English and speech. I have a master's in uh, ethics, and then I have PhDs in philosophy and psychology. Uh, when I finished uh, graduate school, I went and taught at Ohio University for a couple of years and then moved to Wayne State University in Detroit and left there and went to the staff of First Baptist Church in West Palm Beach, Florida, a very large church where I ran the counseling division for them. Uh, church had some internal struggles. I left there and ran a private counseling center in the Palm Beaches for several years. And I read, while I was doing that, I wrote some magazine articles. I got some international attention. And I started getting groups that would, that would ask me, would you come share your philosophies with this? Because I'm known for my philosophies. And I did that on a limited basis for a year and a half. And then I woke up one morning and realized this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And that was 32 years ago. And for the past 32 years, I have traveled this globe uh, sharing my philosophies, my thoughts, my ideas, my processes with people. If I've been given one gift in life, it's the ability to take what looks confusing to you and show you the simple process to get to the other side of it. People do not have to struggle. They struggle by choice. And if you live a life of struggle, then that's all you think your life's going to be. But if you want to move beyond that and get out of the circle of sameness, you can also do that. You know, life is all about choices. It's about the choices we make because every choice creates a direction. Yeah, you know, I, I have these conversations a lot <clears throat> with my with my seven-year-old. It's kind of interesting about choices and about what we choose to do and the results that come from it. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned we're in changing and interesting times. I think that pretty much every time period is interesting times to the people who live in them. Uh, I've always said that mad men are, uh, you know, your geniuses are mad men to the societies they live in. It takes generations before they get recognized as the geniuses that they are. 
And, uh, and so it's interesting. I, I don't feel like we live in, in changing and interesting times. I, I feel like it's an extension of what we've already created. And, uh, and, you know, my philosophy, as you say, is that we made this shit up and we could do better. Uh, everything we see is a figment of our imagination. We created it in our mind. And what I'm hearing you say is that we can easily, readily use that imagination and use our mind to shift our perspectives and adapt and change and adjust to the world that we see in front of us. Well, you and I, every day, the choices that we make are based on which which direction we choose to live. We either live from our emotions up or our mind down. And if I live from my emotions up, then I, I sort of limit my ability to think because from my emotions up, I'm going to react. Because from my emotions up, the foundation of my life is, is about me doubting, worrying, and feeling uncertain. And when I have those three as the foundation of my living process, then I'm going to react to everything that happens. If I'm living from my mind down, then what do I do? I have a foundation of belief in myself, trust in myself, and the confidence, the faith that I can continue to move my life forward. And throughout life, many people move in between those two foundations. And this is why some days their life is great, and other days their life is just a mess. So let's let's like uh, unpack this a little bit because I think a lot of people would say that living in your mind is basically living in a figment of of your imagination of what's not reality and your emotions are what tell you, you know, what the truth is. So whether you're passionate about something or whether you're uh, angry about something, it tells you kind of the, the path of your resistance versus um, your mind, which may logically have all the numbers in place, but there's something not right. And if you don't listen to that other, then you can get lost. So let's unpack this so that people know what we're kind of talking about, what you're talking about, so that um, there's more clarity to that and how to uh, implement that into somebody's life. My mind is a sketch pad. And my mind, everything that I have created with my life began as a thought that I began to process. And I, I have I've sketched it out. Um, I'm a collector of hand-carved wooden ducks. And several years ago, I was in Big Bear, California doing a program. And the lady who had brought me in to speak to her company says, I'm going to take you over and show you something. So she took me over to a carving studio of a gentleman that that's what he did. He carved hand-carved wooden ducks. So we were talking. He said, I want to show you something. So he took me into his studio, and on the table was a block of wood. He said, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm looking at a block of wood. He says, I'm looking at a duck. I said, I'll buy it. Because if we lose our imagination, then we lose our ability to see forward. Now, granted, every day of our life is going to involve emotions. 
But if my mind is strong in my belief, my trust, and my faith in myself, then I can see beyond the fog that I'm living in. So then what happens with my mind strong, it then allows me to have the emotions that will support what it is I'm working on. But if I'm living from my emotions up, then my mind will give me an idea. But if my emotions are the strongest, then what I'm going to do? I'm going to become negative. And what's negative? I, I doubt. What's negative? I spend too much time worrying about. I, I, I live in a world where everything is uncertain. So I can't see beyond the fog that I'm living in. And, you know, I work with hundreds of people and have worked with them and as a mentor in their life. And the, the thing that I find in people is that because of something that happens in their life, they lose that belief, that trust, and that faith in their self. And when they do that, then they slip into a world of being afraid to let go of yesterday, to step out of yesterday. But with my, my belief, my trust, and my faith in myself, I can step forward because I know that I can, because I'm committed to getting something done. And that's where my creativity comes from. It's my mind as a sketch pad, believing in myself and my emotions, giving me those positive emotions that, that strengthen me. Now, sure, I'm going to go through negative times. But if I'm strong mentally, I can work through the emotions. That's interesting. And, and I like what you're saying, because obviously the show is called Create a New Tomorrow. And in order to do that, you have to leave yesterday behind. Uh, I, I do have a firm belief that you have to learn from yesterday in order to properly leave it behind. However, you know, that's kind of the idea. So let, let's, uh, let's break apart Today is not yesterday, this sentence that, that you placed in here. Today is not yesterday, and we must be willing to do what needs to be done to prepare. So let's break apart that sentence into actionable things that somebody can actually do rather than just the concept. Okay. First thing is my definition of yesterday. Yesterday is a reference library, not a room to live in. And you and I, Ari, we've both known people who have chosen to live in yesterday because of their, their fear. And the, from, from the day I was born to the day I died, I, I'm going to battle six fears. And one of these six are, is going to be my number one fear. And if I don't control my fear, then I become a hostage to yesterday. There is no fear in today until I bring it out of yesterday. You know, you've got the fear of the unknown, which is rampant today. I mean, the people I'm talking to, they just, they're, they're challenged because they're used to having this routine of their life and they're used to being able to control their life. But all of a sudden, that's sort of been removed from them. So if I take that away, then they're looking at an unknown and there's fear in that. There's the fear of abandonment that I'll be left. There's the fear of rejection that people aren't going to like me, the fear of failure, which is huge, uh, the fear of loss, which is all about price tag you're willing to pay. And then there's the fear of success, which to me is the number one fear with young people today. And 
The only thing I have is today. And my definition of today is dependent on what I've taken from yesterday. If I see it as that reference library, and I can open those file cabinets of yesterday, and I can find the lessons that I believe in and bring them forward, then I'm laying the foundation for a today where I can succeed. And if I succeed today and I have that process, then I'm actually preparing for tomorrow. But if I'm living in yesterday, all I have is where I've been. And without that, I don't have a real definition of where I can go, except backwards, stand still. So when you're talking about leaving yesterday behind, but using it as a reference library, how many people you know, and I know that will get an emotional trigger from a story, right? So they'll read a book, fiction, we'll call it a fictional book. They'll read a fictional book. It'll evoke their emotions. They'll feel angry. They'll feel sad. They'll feel love. They'll feel, feel all kinds of feelings, right? From listening to that story. So the question becomes, how do you turn a reference library into something other than a, a place to go have a pity party? Well, it, a lot of that depends on what I'm looking for. You know, I, I read a book the other day, and it was, an, it was an emotional book. And I found myself emotion with emotions. And when I finished the book, the question I asked myself is, what triggered these emotions? And what triggered the emotions in there was the story that reminded me of my childhood which opened up a world of feelings. And the way that I was handled that is I've already worked through those emotions. Most people accept yesterday. They don't challenge yesterday. And if you never challenge yesterday, then it's difficult to learn from yesterday. Uh, Eric, when I was when I was 16 years of age, my parents gave me a suitcase. Adopted parents gave me a suitcase and told me it'd been nice knowing me. And I have physically been on my own since I was 16. Uh, only thing I ever know about my natural mother is that she was a prostitute in New Orleans. And she didn't want me, so I was given away. The home that I was adopted into, I never heard my dad talk. My dad, my mother ruled our house. And from the age of six to the age of 16, my mother used to make one of three statements to me consistently. You're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. And I'm sorry we ever adopted you. And you know, children, the, the, what they learn in life is what they get from their parents. And I spent years trying to prove to my mother she was wrong. And when I was a sophomore in college, I went home to confront my mom and dad. When my mom saw me, she walked out the back door of the house, got in her car, and drove off. Never said a word to me. But that was one of the greatest freedom points I've ever had in my life because it showed me nothing I could ever do would earn her love. So right there and then, I stopped trying to prove to her. And so much so much of the downfall with people is that they spend too much time trying to prove themselves to other people. 
And most of what we're trying to prove comes from our yesterday. That's why yesterday is important as a reference library to learn, to understand the experience, to extract the lesson, to bring the lesson into today. And I, I, I tell people every day, I want three things for you. I want you to be better than what you are. I want you to be smarter than you think you are. And I want you to be strong enough to handle what life throws at you. And if you have that at your foundation, life will come at you. But then we put the word in place that is the control word of life, pace. When I am living from my emotions up, my pace is out of control. When I'm living from my mind down, I'm in control of the pace of my life, which means I'm in control of my life. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> that was uh, really fascinating, and uh, and I appreciate that. Um, we're talking about working from mental down, mind down. That doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that you're not utilizing your emotions. Correct. Right. And so if you're not necessarily utilizing them as a hindrance, you're using them as a tool, how do you begin using the emotions that typically would be to tear down, to build up? So things like anger and frustration and rage and all those things. How do you use those to your benefit versus your destruction? Well, you got to know where those emotions are coming from. Most of the emotions, that, the, the emotions that you will experience in a day are coming from some experience from your yesterday that you've never dealt with. I believe that anything you don't complete in life has continuation. And when I was in the world of, of doing counseling, you know, people would come to me and they would be, they would be angry. And, but they didn't understand where their anger was coming from. So what we did, we would have to find the beginning point of that anger. They never dealt with it. And if you don't deal with negative emotions, all you do is increase their power in your life. And once we can find and locate where that anger is coming from, then we can work there. I've had couples in my office where uh, one would be angry at the other. But, Eric, it had nothing to do with their partner. It was the behavior or the actions of their partner reminded them of someone else. And they just brought that forward. And as, as long as that's there and not addressed, you have no way to get beyond the anger that you're feeling. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from uh, the world of emotional release work. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of work with vets and PTSD, with uh, abuse victims, especially women who have uh, suffered sexual abuse, uh, mostly because of my experience with, with that as well. And um, I've, I've always found that I can talk somebody to death about their stuff and and it doesn't necessarily help sometimes actually causes it to get worse and and in some cases 
um, just re-escalates the acuteness of the old trauma versus doing uh, somatic body work and breath work while doing the, uh, the talk therapy and so on tends, at least in, in my experience, to get the issues out of the tissues because we have muscle cell memory and every time we have an emotional trauma, it lands somewhere in our body and, and has a memory there. So the question that I have is, is and I ask these in, in specific ways because I want, I want to get really clear because we're not talking about reliving the experience or the story in order to get pity or sympathy, right? We're not looking for it in ourselves or in anybody that we might be telling the story to. We're looking for empathy and forgiveness and, and those kinds of things. Is, is that correct? Uh, at least in your, in your perspective, because if we don't do those kinds of things, then we have that possibility of turning on the acuteness of an old trauma. Well, one of the things that I know is that there are people out there who are looking for pity. And they, they keep retelling their story because that's how they get pity from other people. And the challenge is sometimes we feel sorry for these people. So what we do is we support that behavior. Uh, if there's one philosophy that I've written that I'm known worldwide for, it's just three words. Behavior never lies. That the essence of truth is not what you say, is what you do. I also believe that all behavior has an agenda. And that, you know, uh, someone says, I didn't mean to do that. That's a lie. If you didn't mean to do it, you wouldn't have done it. But there's a purpose that goes with behavior. And, you know, you're right. There are some people that they're not looking for, uh, they're not looking for pity. Uh, what they're looking for is just a set of ears. Uh, you ever gone looking for a set of ears and all you could find was a mouth? Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate when you look for a, a sounding board and all you get is, is a speaker. Yeah. People tell me all the time that I am a master at asking questions. And when I work with people, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, what, what would you do? And I'll tell them. I'm not you, but let's talk about it through this question. And as long as I can depend on you, then I'm a hostage. But if you can help me through making me focus on me and deal with the truth of my own life, then you can turn me into a pioneer who has an unlimited future. My challenge with a lot of people who do quote, counseling, is that they work to tie people to them, not free people from them. And I, I, I don't want anybody to be dependent on me. That's not, my, that's not my role. That's not my life. My life is to help you free yourself so that you can discover the more there is for your life. Oh. You know, that's, that's a, 
interesting because one of my my current raves or rants rants and raves is uh is in the system of medicine and the incentives which is basically the incentive is to keep treating versus curing and uh and more procedures gets you more money versus better results so that's kind of the the way that i've seen medicine that's the way i've seen marketing that's the way i've seen companies in general going in in many ways is it's no longer about quality it's about quantity it's no longer about uh what you're providing your customer and the benefit that they're getting it's just a matter of giving them enough to get them to come back again and again and again and uh and as a functional medicine guy in in doing sports therapy we we our entire goal is results that get them to a place where either they don't need us or they're ready to go to that next level and they need us for the next level so um but it's no nowhere near keeping them static in their life but it definitely seems like that tends to be a pattern in the counseling industry. Well, and, and Eric, it goes much deeper than that. It is, it's really, um, our country today to me is driven by power and control. Okay. I have the power, so I'm going to control your life. I look at a lot of these decisions that are being made because of the virus. And it's not about the virus. It's about somebody wanting to play God and somebody wanting to take control of your life and tell you how you can live. Uh, and, you know, personal with me, and your audience may not agree with this, but that's okay. I think the intent of a lot of people in power today is to break the human spirit. And I'm watching... I'm Eric. I'm watching people that have been strong suffering with depression today. I, I'm watching people who have been really driven, but because of the unknown, because of the uncontrollable, uh, I, I, I'm watching their their spirit be drained out of them. And I personally believe that there's two types of depression. There's clinical depression, which medication is needed. We need to get the body back in sync. But I think the biggest form of depression is personal depression. Is personal depression is when you take away my ability to be me, to be in control of my life, and to make decisions. And it seems like today that there is an agenda behind the agenda where it's about we're going to break the spirit of people. And if you break the spirit of people, what do you have? you have a herd of sheep. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we can go through, through this kind of a conversation because I, I love these conversations, but um, my, my thing is I don't like the conspiracy side of the conspiracy stories and theories. And, and the part of that, that, is hard for me is is assigning an intention from a group or or several groups or or whatever right and so i don't tend to to cite an agenda or an intention of people more like here's the facts 
And so, yeah, we can talk about the facts. The facts are that, um, you know, we know numbers aren't being told in a truthful way. We don't know whether they're high or low. We know that the media is propagating a level of, of fear in order to create consensus, which is to create people who are agreeing to the restrictions that, that they're given. We don't know the intention. We can assume an intention, but we don't know an intention, right? We don't know if this was designed or if this is a natural occurrence, right? If this is a designed occurrence or a natural occurrence. That being said, in general, you can look at a fact like uh, in the 1940s, we started putting fluoride in the water. Prior to us putting fluoride in the water, fluoride was being tested uh, by you know, the Nazi Germany on their soldiers in order to create soldiers that are less likely to, uh, or more likely to obey orders and less likely to revolt against orders that they would deem inappropriate. So since the 1940s, we've been putting it in our water and we know it's a neurotoxin that helps to control people's minds. So we can't put an intention on that string of facts. We can only say, here's a string of facts and you can figure it out for yourself what an intention might be. But uh, so let's talk about this. You brought it up. So what do you think that people need to do in order to stop being sheep, as you called them? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Do you, be, do you believe that all behavior has an agenda? I believe that all behavior has an agenda, and I do not believe that, uh, that anybody really knows the agenda that their behavior is providing in most cases. They're probably recognizing or conscious of about 5% or less. So... I do something I know is wrong. Am I conscious that I'm doing it? Sometimes, who knows? There's a lot of people like kleptomaniacs that don't know that they're doing it when they're doing it. They only know afterwards. It's kind of like a blank slate. So, but let's let's take the let's take the average person who lives every day making choices. And I know this choice is wrong for me. And this is what I need to do, but I choose this. I choose the behavior uh, because, in some way, it's more satisfying to me than doing the right thing. But I know, I know what my agenda is. Uh, I, I'm just a very firm believer that, um, on the broader scope, you are exactly in your life where you want to be. And I, I watch that area. I watch that in people. And people tell me, I don't want to be here. Well, let's look at some of the choices you've made. Because every choice creates a path. That path is guided by behaviors. And that takes me in a direction. And what I find is that 
most people don't really understand the power of the choices that they make and the connection to the behaviors that they live. I agree that, that most people don't have any kind of associative value with what it is that they did and the consequence that it brought and the consequence to the consequence, the consequence to the consequence. I talk about butterfly effect a lot in, in my book. So, um, I agree that people do not realize the things that they, that they're doing. So my, my, I guess what I, what I said to you was, I don't believe that all behavior is conscious behavior and automatic behavior while it may have an agenda may not be known to the person, what the agenda is. The other thing I'm going to say to that is that, um, you're saying everybody knows what to do, but we have been systematically given this menu of choices, all of which happen to be 100% correct. And you can just ask Dr. Google about it and you'll find that there are 50 ways to skin a cat, right? And all of them are 100% the only way. And so what people are experiencing, in, in my opinion, is a lot of misinformation that then they have no idea what's true and what to choose and why to choose it. Well, and, and I, I, I agree that, you know, with any, with any crossroads that you and I stand at, no matter what's involved, uh, there are choices. Now, one of the things that, uh, again, I've seen in working with people is that, <laughs> this sounds strange, most people don't think they think they think. But most people don't think. And the reason they don't is they approach the decision with their emotions running, not slowing down and saying, okay, I've got six options here. Which option best fits what I want to achieve? And the people who slow down are the people who take that deep breath in life. They, they look at the options. They, they know what they want because they understand their purpose in life, which is a very, very few people. Yeah, that, that to me is, is probably more the, the issue I, I think that I've seen because people live their life and they don't plan their life to live. They live their life on a plan, right? So you go to work, you go home, you go to work, you go home, you go to work, you go home, you do that five days a week. The next day you're doing the errands and the next day, maybe you go to church and rest for a little bit or, you know, temple or whatever. And, uh, and, and do something to relax. And then the next day you're at it again. And we believe somehow in our minds, that this is the only thing that creates uh, a person of value. And so when we have issues like this whole thing going on, we start getting depression because people don't feel like they're providing value because they're not doing this rat race. And on your point, uh, I used to run a, a workshop. It was a three-day workshop called Living Big on Purpose. And it was 
how to live a big life. Now I was at the time 340 pounds. So there was a lot of double entendres and double meanings there. <laughs> big life and, and doing it on purpose and all those things. But uh, the point is, is that people don't know their purpose because they've never been encouraged or taught in any of our education or, or um, you know, general public way of teaching. We don't teach how to dream. We teach how to listen and how to obey, but we don't teach how to dream and how to imagine and how to pr- create a life that I want versus a life that I'm being pre-prescribed is the life I should have, right? And so we never plan. And if you don't plan, uh, you know, it's the same thing as setting a destination course without a rudder. <laughs> you know, you're going to arrive somewhere, but would you rather arrive at a well-planned destination or an unplanned destination? And that's a good question. And that's something that we can talk about is how does, how do people start creating that plan so that they know where they're going? So they have a trajectory so that their behavior matches the end goal because they actually have an end goal. And that was a lot of rant. So I'll let you, I'll let you take it from here. No, but what you're talking about is, is absolutely correct. And I think in order to find that purpose, because you and I know purpose changes throughout our life. I mean, you haven't always sat there in that chair talking into a microphone, correct? Uh, no. And before you got here, there was another purpose to your life. But as, as purpose develops, opportunities appear. Now, sometimes that opportunity is a, pers- is a possibility, not an opportunity. But, you know, I, I, never thought, uh, I, I never thought that I would uh, ever teach. I was going to be a lawyer and decided that's not what I want to be. Uh, I, I never thought that I would spend my life, 30 years of my life, traveling the world speaking. That was not on my agenda. But as I strengthened my belief, my trust, my faith in myself, and I opened myself to looking to the horizon, rather than standing in where I am, then all of a sudden I begin to see other places that I could go with my talents and with my abilities. And so, you know, here I am. But let me, let me share this with you because you asked. I think in order to find the purpose in your life, there are four questions that you have to ask. And words to me are critically important. Question number one, What do I really want for my life? Not what do I want. It's the word really that makes it an in-depth question. What do I really want for my life? And if you can't answer that, you can't go to the next one. And question number two is, why do I really want this for my life? Question number three, what price am I willing to pay to achieve this? And that's where a lot of people break down. Because for everything you and I want to do, there's a price tag in life. And then question number four, what behaviors will I have to improve to allow me to get there? And I use those four questions every year in my life to define my purpose, uh, like for 2021. What do I really want to achieve in 2021? Why? Am I willing to pay the price? Because 
I think the more you want to do with your life, the more confusion you have to work through. Because confusion can be a real positive. If you look at it for what it is, it's a test of commitment. And then I have to be honest with myself. What is it about me that I'm going to, where am I going to have to improve? Not change. I never ask anybody to change. Where do I need to improve in my behavior to remove the restrictions and limitations that behavior can place on me? You're muted. Sorry, there is background noise. <clears throat> I had I have kids moving around in my background, so I have to mute every now and then. Um, so we were talking about purpose. I was basically saying those are great questions that you ask. Uh, I would I would ask some more questions because uh, I don't believe that it's necessarily all about just me. And uh, that's my own personal belief. So I ask questions like, what is the legacy that you want to leave? What is the world that you want to see your, you know, your kids and grandkids and so on have? Uh, I get into, I guess, a little bit uh, more in depth so that it becomes alive and real for, for people. So uh, I just suggest, yes, ask yourself those questions, but have it become really alive for you and utilize your imagination in a way that's, you know, imagery, sounds, even if you're watching uh, videos, you know, things like that. I mean, this is a great thing at the beginning of, of a new year to do. It's not about resolutions because I've never seen a resolution have somebody resolved to do the resolution ever in my life. I, I only see the beginnings, but when you have a well-designed plan, you could actually create, uh, you know, a roadmap to get to where you're going versus resolving to, uh, I'm going to go to the gym this year. Right. So anyway, that's a really good way of, of, um, starting out your new year is find, find that purpose. And you might want to ask yourself a hundred years, what do you want to see the world like? 50 years, what do you want to see the world like? Can, can I take this a little deeper? Oh, yeah, please do. Okay, and, and you, you said something that is just, it's, it's gospel. And that is, you and I, anything that we do with our life is going to affect the people around us. And so I, 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 can't, I, I can't just look at life just through me. You know, what do I really want? Okay, how's that going to affect? I believe that you and I live in a four-room house. We have a business room, a family room, a social room, and a personal room. And what I find with people is their life gets messed up because their lives are out of sync. I think there has to be an order to your life in order for you to have growth, to have clarity, and to have simplicity of living. And the order is this. The most important room in my life is my personal room. That's where I go to be by myself. And alone with me is where my dreams are born. Because if I put too many people in that room, I'm overwhelmed with opinions. So what do I really want? And then the second most important room in your life is your family room. 
Because if you don't have the support of family, dreams will be destroyed. And so if I know what I really want, then I need to sit down with Karen and I need to talk to her about, you know, this is the, this is the ministry. This is the crusade that I want to have in 2021. Because if she's not with me, she's against me. And the, you know this, you have kids. Family can be very emotional. And if there's not, if there's a, not that common connection, it makes it real challenging. And then your third room is your business room, which is your number one room of mental stress. And then your social room is your playroom. And that's another thing, Ari, that we're seeing today. People aren't playing. And playing, you know, this social distancing, this disconnect is really dangerous for everybody, young people, for children, for adults. We are social creatures. We need that interaction. And this is good through the internet, but it doesn't give you the energy of standing in the presence of somebody. Yeah, you know, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely missing my, uh, my, you know, events, the, the people. I, I had, I think, four international speaking offers two weeks before COVID and before the lockdown. And uh, they all went away. <laughs> right immediately and so yeah I, I miss I miss a little bit being on the road I miss getting uh getting to look in the eyeballs of the people I'm talking to instead of like right now I'm looking my own eyeballs it's very strange I want to look down at your eyeballs instead of <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we we're you know we're we have this very intimate connection with our lens but it's not the right lens. It's the camera lens. It's, it's mm-hmm. not the lens behind our eyes. It's the camera lens. And we're having this very intimate relationship with this thing that I'm looking at right now. It may look like I'm looking at you, but I'm not. I'm looking at a camera and a lens. And because this uh, interesting dynamic, um, you know, we have a lot of people flossing that's that's the new term for it it's flossing and they're flossing because they are in pain and they don't want to show the pain so they are flossing the selfies with lots of filters ding, ding. anyway so i just wanted to uh to say that this way of being I feel like this about. That's how I feel about this way of being that that we're currently doing. See if you you agree with this, because you've been on platform. You've had that live audience out there in front of you. And that live audience gives you energy. And you can feed off of that energy. And it just makes you want to give energy back to them. I'm doing a tremendous amount of virtual seminars right now conventions. And the interesting thing is, I can sit here with you, but there's not that in, you know, in in reality, there's not that energy coming back. So I got to create the energy for both me and for you without that live audience giving it back. And I tell you what, it's a whole different world of presentation. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really hard. 
especially for those of us who are trained to, uh, to train and we, you know, get people in groups and doing active things out of their chairs with each other. It's, it's hard when, you know, the with each other is not in a place where you could actually touch or look in their eyes, hold their hands, especially if you're doing a, an emotional release kind of a, a, a thing, you know, it's hard. It's like, you need that touch in order for the real release from the body to happen. Otherwise, it's kind of like, yeah, you can get to the emotion of it a little bit, but you won't get to the release of it. So. Well, and I, I, I agree with you. And this is one of the things that this lack of socialization is doing today. And probably the group this is hurting the most are the kids. Because at a young age, you need that socialization. You need to be in, in there among them. And, you know, when they don't have that, uh, I've talked to several parents lately whose kids are very social animals. And, you know, they're social butterflies. But it's the social butterfly that keeps them active and keeps them busy and keeps driving them. And, and now that they're the virtual school, they don't have that. That desire is diminishing. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we, we had to, we pulled our son out of school completely and are homeschooling him. And uh, he's a very social person. He's actually learning a lot more right now. And he likes not being in a classroom because I think... He, you know, otherwise he's the class clown. He's going to be uh, looking for the attention. Now, mind you, he's in first grade. So, but, you know, he, he's, he's somebody who is very social and he's not getting to, to be as social as I, I'd like him to be. But I find that we can, you know, take over other ways like putting in martial arts or, or different sports when we're allowed to do that, people. Um, you know, those are ways that we can socialize him more. And I actually think that they might be better because I, I never had a good uh, experience in, in public school. I mean, I was way too smart for the teachers and he's 10 times smarter than, than I am. And uh, so, you know, I think the, the last uh, straw for us, he was doing that virtual school and, uh, and he's, you know, the teacher asked how, how the kids were doing. And he said, well, uh, I'm frustrated. And the teacher said, well, why are, you, why are you frustrated? What's going on? He said, I have five businesses and you're not teaching me how to work with any of them. So I think <laughs> at, at that point, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was time <laughs> that we give him a different experience for a little while. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, depression is up. Suicide is up. Abuse of all kinds, domestic abuse is up. Um, so then what, what's the solution? You know, because obviously the system is uh, saying that we need to socially distance and we need to cover our faces and we need to do these things in order to protect our community and have civic responsibility and civic duty. Uh, and anybody, you know, who 
disagrees with any of that decree is a eugenics, you know, lover who's trying to kill off the world. So these are the polarities of our experience right now. So how do we, how do we solve this disparity? Well, I'm going to answer your question because I'm going to give you what I think we have to do, but I want to preface it by saying this. I wish that they would be honest with us about the numbers. I don't trust the numbers they're giving us. I have several doctor friends and they will, they will tell you anyone who comes into the hospital who has a fever is classified as COVID because the hospitals get paid money for that. And that goes back to the point you made earlier uh, in the show. And that I think so much of what's being done today is the ultimate agenda is greed. The mechanism to use it is fear. So what I tell people today that there are basically six things you need to do. And again, these are, these are mine. Uh, and a lot of people would not agree with it. And I tell them it's okay. You can be wrong. Uh, but, these are what these are what I, I work with people on. First of all, stay spiritually strong. That and I wish someone, Harry, I wish someone would explain to me why faith is not an essential part of life. We're closing the churches down. We're opening up the Walmarts, the targets. Walmart's what profits up five hundred and forty nine percent. Why isn't faith an essential part of life? But you've got to stay spiritually strong. Your, your belief, your trust, and your faith that we will get through this and that I can, I can get through this has got to be strong. Second thing is you got to pace yourself. One of the hardest things I do with the students that I have, my, my mentoring students, is it basis, basically takes me two or three months to get them to understand the power of pace. That the faster you move, the bigger mess you're going to make. And you either manage your life or your life manages you. So let's, let's slow down so that we can. And you said it in a, another way a while ago, and I thought that's exactly right. Uh, you need to slow down where you can listen to life. Because life talks to us. And I need to be at a pace where I'm listening to the life around me. And right now, what I need to listen for is I need to listen for how to be smart in the midst of what we're going through. The third thing that I, I, I suggest to people, you need to invest in yourself. You need to take that time right now to really get to know yourself. Who are you? What are you learning about yourself? And I, I've had this conversation with couples. Who are you as a couple? You're spending more time around each other. You're dealing with more things you've ever dealt with. What are you learning? Because what I find breaks couples apart, married or unmarried couples, is that when two people come together, what brings them together is a special something that they see in each other. And they connect at that special something. And what tears them apart is they lose that special something. So we, we need to invest in ourselves and getting to know us more and get back to who we are, not the person that we've been told to be. Resil the next one is resilience is a must. 
Resilience to me is the second most beautiful word in language next to love. But you've got to be more resilient today than you've ever been. And to me, resilience says you can knock me down, but I'm going to get up stronger. I'm going to be better. And then the last two. The next one is involve the right people in your life. Stop listening to the, to the negative people. My gosh, Eric, I don't know about you, but I listen to the news for about 30 minutes in the morning, and then I don't listen to any more news. The news today has become very negative. It's become very controlling. It's become manipulative. And the agenda of the news, I think, is to keep people in fear and to keep them from really thinking and asking the right questions. And then the last thing I suggest to people, get involved in training. Find some way to put yourself in a learning experience. And that's why I opened my learning center. So that I could I can invite people to come into this learning center. We have classes at three different levels. And depending on where you are in your life, which level you go into, but challenge yourself. You need to challenge yourself today. And to challenge to, because I really do, I want people to be better. I want them to be smarter. I want them to be stronger in life. Because when you have those three, those three then feed your desire, your determination, and your discipline to achieve. Nice. I like that. Um, very succinct. I want to, I want to, you know, like, take another hour and, and break each one of those things apart into little itty bitty pieces, but uh, we don't have another hour. So <laughs> I, I, I guess I can't do that. Um, <laughs> but I, I really, really want to, I want to break them all into little itty bitty bite sized chunky pieces that people can consume easily and readily. But uh, I think that this is a, a great place to to end the call for now um i mean obviously i could spend another five hours having a conversation with you about all of these wonderful things and here's what i i want to just end with because you asked a question about how to not have faith (laughs) and be alive so to speak I don't think that people don't have faith. And I don't think that faith is as direly um, wanting as some people think. I, I believe that faith has moved from the faith in a religion to faith in other things. So faith is less and less, in my opinion, based on religious teachings and more based on inner knowings. Um, and so I don't think that it's, it's absent. I think that it's transformed a little bit from what people know of. And so why would, why would a church be closed and a Walmart not? Why would, you know, and, and I'm going to leave you guys with these thoughts. I'm not going to answer any of them for you. But if you like, you can always comment on this conversation and we can start that conversation uh, deeper. So why is it that 
people do, I'm going to ask this question, do and make choices that go in exact opposite of their own best self-interest? That's the question I'm going to leave you with, because I think that that goes to the heart of all the things, Richard, that you've been saying, is that people make choices that go against the goals versus towards the goals. They go against what it is that you want versus going towards what you want. So why is it that we as a society have decided to let the bullies rule and we've decided to to lay down for the bullies? And how does that help you create a new tomorrow today? So that's what I'm going to leave you with because normally I leave you with all these great tips and tricks. I think that, that Richard really provided that for, for you with, with his six. And, uh, and so Richard, why don't you let people know how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to book you for a speaking engagement or, uh, or any other form of, uh, of work that you do. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and learn more, how do they do that? Well, uh, my website is real simple. It's richardflint.com. My staff did that, so I would never forget it. But uh, richardflint.com. And my email is also very simple, richard at richardflint.com. And Eric, we have a, two things coming up in January that I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm doing two virtual seminars in January to help people with mindset for 2021. Uh, on the 16th of, of January, we're going to do a virtual uh, 70 minutes uh, virtual seminar on turning your goals into gold. I think one of the most frustrating things that happens out there is we teach a very negative process to goal setting. And I think it creates most people's frustrations. So I'm going to take 70 minutes and I'm going to show you a process that allows your goals not to be words on a paper, but the reality that your mind can construct and build off of. And then on the, the 30th of January, we're doing another virtual seminar entitled How to Have the Greatest Year of Your Life and How to Strengthen Yourself Internally So the External Can't Control You. And if people would like to have information on this, if they'll go to richardflint.com backslash live, all of the information is there. Richardflint.com backslash live. It's there. Uh, I think you and I think you and I share a common, a common purpose. And that purpose is to help people find the fulfillment of life. That's what I get from you. And I really like I really like that. And I respect you for that. I I appreciate that. Um, is are your programs going to be evergreen? Are you turning them into evergreen programs? And the reason I ask that is I don't know exactly when your episode is going to air. And so I just want to make sure that the information is either going to be retroactively, uh, you know, available for them if, if it's uh, evergreen or, or not. I just want to make sure that they have the, the option of uh, finding that. So are you going to turn that into an available recording? Yes, we, re we record everything we do. It will be there. Okay. Um, Awesome. 
that way in case you know this is after january um we uh we don't losing anybody you know in <laughs> so to speak we don't want to lose anybody in translation so uh, yeah, if they'll go to richardflint.com everything they need to know about me is right there awesome very nice thank you so much for being here richard this has well, been another episode of create a new tomorrow i am your host ari gronich and we will create a new tomorrow today, every day, and activate our vision for a better world. Please do remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, comment, so that we can start conversations that matter and help you to create your new tomorrow today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode.